Well, this is the part of our time together where we're going to read the Bible. And so if you've got a Bible hiding on your coffee table, now is the moment to <laughs> whip it out. Uh, or if you don't have a Bible, then order one or download one. Download one from the App Store or the Google Play Store. Uh, it'll be completely free. And we'd love you to have a Bible in your house. We believe that this book changes lives because we believe that God meets people yeah. in its pages. And so get yourself a Bible. Now we've been uh, looking at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote whilst he was in lockdown in prison, his letter to the Philippians. And even though we've been in lockdown for about 300 years, we're still in <laughs> chapter one. So Philippians <laughs> chapter one is where we are. I promise you, we don't know anything about when this lockdown is gonna end. <laughs> Uh, it's not like we're going really slowly because we know anything. Uh, but uh, Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read from verses, verse 18 and a half. It says this, Paul says this. He says, I will continue to rejoice. Remember, he's in prison. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will be in no way ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. That's God's word to us today. So the question that I think this passage answers, and it's a question that actually is very real for many of you, I'm sure, who are joining us this morning, is this. How do I find strength in this season and in particular how do I find strength in this season if it's a season of suffering you know often in times of danger or difficulty or drought it feels like we're kind of hanging on by our fingernails and hoping we'll get through and so this question of how do I find strength in seasons of suffering is actually a big deal now I'll just be completely honest and say that this lockdown is at worst like a minor inconvenience for me. You know, like I, even though my calling involves being often found in groups of people, actually, I, I, I'm quite shy. I like my own space. I'm a bit of an introvert. You know, given the choice between going out to a party on Saturday night and just having a quiet night in, I'm going to choose a quiet night in every time. You know, like when we heard that this lockdown thing was happening, I was like, so let me get this right. No touching, no hugging, no big crowds, uh, stay at home, uh, you know, uh, save the NHS, protect the NHS, save lives. I was like, to be honest, I've been in training for this my whole life. Uh, and so for me, it's not a big deal. But, but I understand that for lots of people, it's just not a joke. Yeah. This is a, a really tough time. We are aware that there are people in our church right now who have lost their jobs. Yeah. Uh, and there are many, many more people who are not sure whether they'll have a job next week or next month or, or next year. 
Um, we are aware of people in our church family who are married, but they're having to live in separate homes at the moment because one of them is a key worker and the other one has an underlying health issue. We're aware of people in our church who are really unwell and other people who have loved ones who are really unwell. We know of people who, uh, you know, for whom the, the issue is really to do with mental health and, and this lockdown is really not helping that. And then, of course, we're aware of people for whom they, they had pre-existing stuff going on. You know, like we, we know people who were really in a, a season of grief when this thing already hit and other people who are fighting cancer regardless of whether it's a lockdown or not. And so this question of how do I find strength in a season of suffering is a relevant question. It's a question for all of us right now. And, and if, if we were going to look at or, or try and find one book of the Bible that gave an insight into suffering and the, the theme of suffering, then we might look towards the Old Testament book of Job. Uh, it's written Job, but we say it as Job. I've got a degree in theology. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Job is a godly guy. You know, actually, it says that he is blameless and upright. It says that he feared God and shunned evil. And actually, his life up until a particular point has has been a life of blessing and uh, a life of joy. And then one particular day, his whole world kind of caves in on itself. And, And what transpires is that there's a tragic accident and a whole bunch of his close family, his loved ones are killed. And then on top of that, it turns out that on the same day, his business just implodes. And then also on top of all of that, his own health begins to deteriorate and he begins to live in constant and chronic pain. Now, we've been pastors for a long time. And what we see is that that kind of thing happens all the time. You know, often it's not, you kind of think, well, I could cope with one thing happening in my life, but it's not just one thing. It's a whole series of things. It's like life sees that you're down and decides to give you a kicking whilst you're there. And um, often in these moments where, where life kind of just suddenly becomes a struggle, we begin to have big questions. Like, what, why is this happening? And why is this happening to me? You know, did I do something to deserve this? Or those kinds of questions. And, and in the book of Job, this poor man who suddenly life is a struggle for, uh, his friends gather around him and they try to help him. And the way that they try to help him is that they try to give him advice. And they try to explain the reasons for the distress that he's experiencing. And um, to be honest with you, they're they're puny excuses. They're they're rubbish reasons. They're they're just clutching at straws. They don't really understand. And eventually, after chapters and chapters of these just inadequate explanations, it actually says, God spoke to Job out of the storm. And actually God never explains why it's happening. It remains a mystery. But God is there and he's present and he's powerful and he's kind 
he's faithful and he's loving. And uh, you never find out why it's all happened. Um, I actually think that the book of Job ultimately teaches us three things about suffering. The first thing is suffering's a mystery. There are no neat explanations, no quick answers. Secondly, I think the book of Job teaches us that God is present with us in our suffering and in our pain. And the third thing that I think that the book of Job teaches us about suffering is that it is possible to get through suffering with dignity and continuing to honour God throughout. Those are such helpful things to think about. Now, why am I talking about Job, you might ask, when uh, I've just read from Philippians? Well, actually, it seems to me that the Apostle Paul, who himself is experiencing this horrendous suffering, uh, um, chained hand and foot in prison himself, not knowing whether he's going to live or die, it seems to me that he has been meditating on the book of Job. We know that Paul was um, a Pharisee by training, which means that he'd, he'd been educated in all of the finest rabbinical schools of his day. We know that he'd been educated by Gamaliel, who was a very well-known rabbi. So it's very likely that not only was Paul deeply familiar with the book of Job, but actually it's very likely that he knew the whole of Job off by heart. And so here he is in prison and you're able to reflect on and chew over, meditate on the story of Job. Now, why do I say that? What gives me the reason to think that? Well, actually what he does is he quotes, and I didn't realize this until I started studying it a couple of weeks ago. He quotes directly from the book of Job in the passage that we just read. So in verse 19, He's quoting from Job chapter 13, verse 16. And he says this, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, here's, here's the quote, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance or salvation or vindication. What's happened to me will turn out for my vindication is a direct quote, word for word, from the book of Job. I love it. I love the fact that there is Paul experiencing his own suffering, reflecting on the mystery of Job's suffering, reflecting on the nature of Job's suffering, reflecting on God being present in his suffering, and then applying all of those lessons to his own life. It's quite a beautiful thing, actually, to think about. And maybe he's starting to think about if Job can get through this, then maybe I could get through this with God's help too. And it's a sieve. He's looking out at a completely dark, black night sky and he begins to see these twinkling stars in the darkness and those begin to give him strength. So what are the realities? What are the stars? What are the things that he can focus on or draw strength from in these times of suffering? I've got a few things. The first thing is, the partnership of friends. Verse 19, he says, for I know, I know that through your prayers, what's happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And what I realized when I started to meditate on this passage was, Paul actually believes that their prayers will make a difference. He actually believes that something will shift when his friends pray. 
I don't know whether you noticed this, but I really noticed it. When Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister, was unwell, critically unwell, in a hospital a couple of weeks ago, uh, all of the world leaders took to podiums and to social media to send their love and, and best wishes for Boris. And they used all kinds of platitudes. So, for example, one said, I'm sending every good wish. And another one said, my thoughts are with him. You can imagine Paul sat there in prison thinking, I don't want good wishes. <laughs> you know, that's completely useless to me. I, I, I don't want warm thoughts. What I want you to do, my friends in Philippi, I want you to pray for me. And I don't just want you to pray to the genie in the bottle or, you know, the magical mystery man or to the ceiling or anything else. I, I, I want you to pray to God himself. I want you to pray to Jesus Christ because he's the one who changes things. I honestly believe that in this season of suffering, we must, in a kind of concerted and sincere way, pray for one another, partner together in prayer for one another to get through this. And uh, I'll just say this because I was thinking about it the other day. You know, sometimes people say, I don't really understand why the church didn't really help Barry when he was going through what he went through. Or I don't really understand why Larry, you know, didn't have much contact with the church when he was going through what happened to him. And do you know what the honest answer is for almost every single case of that is that we didn't know. Barry and Larry didn't tell anyone or they didn't tell us. And I just want to say this, if you are struggling right now, let somebody know and maybe let us know. You can let us know on the, if you're watching this live, you can just press on connect or you can just ask to pray with someone on the thing. But, yeah. but just let us know, let somebody know so that we can partner together in prayer. It would be our privilege to do that. So the partnership of friends, first thing. Second kind of glinting light in the dark sky is the presence of God. Verse 19 still. He says, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. God has given us, God has given us the Holy Spirit for moments like this. God has given us the Holy Spirit who provides comfort, peace, strength, exactly for moments like this. And we're not just talking about, again, warm, fuzzy feelings and platitudes. I, it's absolutely clear that Paul is expecting and experiencing the, um, the tangible, experienced presence and power of God himself exactly where he is. It's a real thing. I can remember when my dad, I found out that my dad had just died. It was about 20 years ago. I was just a young Christian. I was walking from where I was living to back to my parents' home. And as I was walking along the road, I was praying and I was saying, God, please would you give me strength? Please would you give me the strength to be able to cope with this shattering, just brutal news? And please would you give me the strength to be there for the rest of my family? And as I was walking along the road, I experienced the um, raw, holy, enveloping love 
and power and presence of God kind of wrapping around me and bubbling up within me as I walked along the road. That's what Paul's expecting. That's what he is longing for. That's what he's experiencing. And that's what you could experience. And later on, we're going to pray for a whole bunch of people uh, that, that you would experience God's presence with you right where you are. It doesn't matter where you are, right where you are. Okay. Uh, number three. Uh, another thing that he can draw strength from is the peace of eternity. Verse 12, sorry, verse 21. Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's an astonishing thing to, to say, especially when you consider that the Apostle Paul is in prison and it actually doesn't know whether like tomorrow he's going to be exonerated or executed. He doesn't know. And yet he says, Ultimately, I'm drawing peace from the fact that I know exactly where I'm going. It's a powerful thing. Um, we ultimately don't know whether we're going to live for another year or another 90 years, do we? But ultimately, in this life, whether it's a year or 90 years, it's, it's like a blink of an eye in comparison with the millions upon millions upon millions of years that exist for us in eternity. And... Uh, what Paul's ultimately saying is, he's saying, I know where I'm going. I know that for eternity, I'm going to be with God. I'm going to be with Jesus. And so therefore, I can be strong in this present situation. I can be at peace. I love the final verse of that hymn, Amazing Grace, where it says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's a lovely thing. It's a precious thing to be able to draw strength from knowing where we're going. And uh, do you know, in our world, we're squeamish about death. We don't like talking about death. We try to do everything to forget about death. And uh, we even try to make ourselves look like we'll never die with all kinds of uh, lotions and potions and injections. Although, uh, obviously, <laughs> you can tell. We, <laughs> we, we don't do that. We don't do that. Uh, but um, uh, moments like this, the coronavirus crisis, they provide us with an opportunity to realize how fragile life is, how short life is, and how long eternity is. I don't know whether everyone watching this right now is a Christian. I don't know whether you know whether you're a Christian, but later on, we're going to provide an opportunity for you to seal the deal, to secure your place, to make sure you know where you're going when you die. And that will provide, I can promise you, an enormous amount of assurance for the years ahead and particularly for this season. Okay, the last thing is, and I'll finish with this, the last star in the dark sky is a purpose for the future. Paul says, verse 24, I want to depart and be with Jesus, which would be amazing but it's better for you that I stay here. And so I'll stay for your progress and joy in the faith. And uh, do you see what Paul's doing here? He, he, he might be in lockdown, he might be in prison, he might be facing pretty bleak circumstances, but he's saying, I'm not gonna give in, I'm not gonna give way to this situation. I'm gonna begin to plan and to scheme and to dream about what I'm gonna do on the other side when I get out of this place. I love that. And actually, don't you think it's interesting that it's almost as if, all of the trappings of life are stripped away in these moments and you start to 
ask bigger questions and get some more clarity on exactly what you're for. He's so clear. He says, I am for helping you as you grow in the Lord. What if in this season, each one of us were to ask the question of God, God, what am I for? And it's as if life has been put on standby or mute. And suddenly we can begin to hear God say, this is what you're for. And then what if we were to ask, what does my life need to look like if that's what I'm for? Okay, I'm going to finish there and I'm going to pray for us. So like I said, I'm going to pray for all of us that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit, that he would envelop us with his presence and fill us with his power. And so uh, this might be new for you, but if you just want to sit wherever you are, open up your hands and I'll pray. Father, please pour out your spirit right now across this region, right into people's living rooms, wherever they are in the world. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. We'll just wait for a moment. Bible talks about streams of living water flowing from within us. God, would you do that for us today? And not just today, but tomorrow, the day after. In a moment, we're going to have communion together. And I always think that almost the best possible moment to become a Christian is just before communion, because then you can immediately take communion and it means something so fresh and so new Um, communion is really about for christians it's really about receiving afresh the forgiveness of god it's about making a fresh start with god and so in a way that would symbolize what you've already done so what i'm going to do is i'm going to make an opportunity for you right now if you would like to commit your life to jesus and to get the kind of peace for all eternity that i've been talking about And the way we're going to do that is I'm going to say a prayer one line at a time. And you just need to repeat after me uh, just quietly or or out loud or or, um, in your own heart even. And Jesus will hear every word. And also just to say, if if this is kind of a public declaration in a way, which is hard to do when you're on your own. So if you're watching this live, you can click, I give my life to Jesus or I commit my life to Jesus uh, on the live screen live screen, (laughs) live stream chat. And it's actually in the chat section there. You can click, I I give my life to Jesus. And uh, we'll all know that you've done it then. So let's pray together. My father in heaven, I'm so sorry I haven't lived my life with you or for you. I really want that to change. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Father, I receive your forgiveness into my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Help me to live my life with you and for you from now on. Amen.